I want to read a scripture. I only got this at the prayer meeting. And so it's not not going to be on the board, but I want you to listen. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and and his paths beyond tracing out. And I want to talk this morning about seeking God. And I want to talk that we never ever reach the destination. Jesus is ultimately the destination. But even if you go look in the Word, there's a lot of stuff that even speaks about the mystery of God, who God is. We can, we can delve into this Word. I can preach. Often guys have preached through Romans and preached through books of the Bible for years because there's so much wisdom, there's so much unsearchable treasure inside of God that I think as, as Christians, we are always in the shallow end. And sometimes maybe even talking for myself, saying, God, I know that there's more. I'm not satisfied. I'm, I'm, we're satisfied in Jesus Christ, obviously, but there is more, there's unsearchable riches that God has us to mine and to find. And I think as you grow as a believer, God, God there's, there's moments, and I, I've seen it, that where God reveals and conceals himself. Sometimes God conceals them. Who's had a dry period of their life where they haven't felt God's presence, where it's been a little bit difficult? Sometimes it's the outside things that happen, but sometimes it's actually just God going, are you, are you actually wanting to search after me? Are you hungry for me? It's why we have times of worship on a Friday that we're trying to extend a little longer, a little longer every week because we have to grow in our maturity in seeking God. That uh, you cannot live on second-hand information. And I think there's, there's a tragedy, there's, there's an amazing thing that's happened with YouTube and podcasts and all that kind of thing. But the tragedy behind that is that we can actually live off someone else's revelation. And then you become, almost a guruism starts to, starts to form, which is opposite to the Word of God. The Word of God had men and women who led the, the priesthood, the, the body that, that understood who God is. And we go and search the Scriptures for ourselves. We dig in for ourselves, not just take things at face value, and we grow deeper into God. And it's my heart this morning for every single person sitting there, wherever you are on your journey, whether you gave your life to Jesus last week, or you 20, 30 years down the line further than I am, whatever it is, there's a, there's a depth that God is wanting us to search out. And it's our responsibility. Natasha, I thought I was seeing things. Natasha's been away for ages. And she is now back. Let's just give her a round of applause. Well done. We'll hear a story at some stage. She's got a powerful story, which I'm not even going to give a little bit away. Um, Psalm 34 verse 8, it says, I taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, I've written out a few things here. Signs that you've lost connection. Okay. You know what it's like? You drive under a bridge, you're on your cell phone, and it suddenly goes off. It's like the longest three seconds of your life, and then the, the signal comes back. You can get back on Facebook, on YouTube, whatever it is. And, uh, and I think so often there's, there's things that happen in our lives that we get disconnected to God. There's busyness. There's, uh, there's, there's lots of stuff that, that pulls us away from the main thing of, of spending time and seeking God day after day and having a heart like David did that, 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 that just wanted, everything inside of him wanted to find who God was. So we all know the scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, normally read at weddings uh, and whatever it is, but it's, it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak the opposite of what it is. So you're going to probably have the real version there, but I'm going to speak signs that you've lost connection. So you've lost connection in relationship with God. You'll see what I mean. You're not patient or kind. 
You are jealous, boastful, and proud, and rude. You always want your own way. You're irritable. Uh, you, okay, I'll forget about verse 6 because I don't know how to make that negative. Um, you always give up. You're always losing faith. You're never hopeful. You never endure to the end. And I wrote a few extra things here. You're easily offended. You react. Instead of responding, there's pride in your life. You keep record of wrongs. You keep record of what other people have done against you. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. When you've lost connection to your connection with God, and even as believers it can happen. It's not like we step into Jesus. Okay, we, we saved. He loves us the same. He, uh, he, he, there's nothing, the Bible says that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. But there's things we can do in our lives that, that, causes, uh, that causes us to be separated from God. God's love never changes. And he always, the, the story of the prodigal son, when, he, when we come running back to God, his arms are always open. He loves us. So what are we going to do? 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says this. But you are a chosen people. It might be up there. There we go. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Now, if you're a Christian, you're saying, God, what am I called to? Because the Bible, we speak a lot up here about, oh, you guys are called to do something. The number one thing that you're called to do with your life is this. Number one, you're chosen which makes, you, makes every single person here a favorite of God. While we were yet sinners, He loved us. God loves those who aren't... So, so often the church pre- preaches about this community that's, that's, and, and only God loves that community, but God loves the world. He loves, he loves us even when we are walking in ways that aren't pleasing to Him. He still loves us. He draws us in. That is the incredible gift of the gospel. We're chosen people, a royal priesthood, holy nation, to declare the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Our lives are meant to, to praise God. In every single thing we do, our, our lives bring glory to Jesus Christ. Luke 10, verse 27, Bruce was leading the prayer meeting this morning, and he said this exact verse. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So there was a moment, if you're looking at the scene, uh, a lawyer comes and asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What, what more must I do? And then Jesus asks him a question, and the guy answers this back. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And I can honestly say that there's been times in my life where I haven't done that. There's sometimes days in my life where I haven't done it. If I'm being real, like, I'm like, God, everything inside of me wants that, but you get distracted with life. You get distracted by certain things that I believe God is wanting us to lay aside and to focus on Him. And I think this is, this is the main point. God came to, to, to restore a relationship that was broken. God's highest priority is His relationship with us. If you look at the history of the world, you had Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve messed up. They, uh, they found themselves in sin. They disobeyed God. They ate of the forbidden fruit. There was a curse that was brought onto humanity. And God loved us so much that he, that he initiated a plan so He can have a relationship with us again. It says this in John 6.44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. 
Our relationship with God doesn't start with us. It always started with Him. And if I think of the story of, of, of my salvation journey, and, I, and so often people, we put too much emphasis on a moment where uh, raise your hand, uh, you got saved in that moment. I think salvation is definitely a journey. The Bible says that how you're saved, you, you repent of your sins, and you confess Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. That is salvation. And what repent means to just walk away from your old life and walk towards the new. It's, not, it's easier said than done because sometimes you're, like, you're walking down the middle and you walk, old life, old life, okay, I better get back. This, this, this is the journey that we're walking. And if I look at my life, it is a sovereign move of God. God placed me in a family where my mom was a believer for most of my life. My dad gave his life to Jesus when I was about 12 or 13. I remember him being baptized. He's, uh, he, he doesn't like attention on him. And in the Baptist church, who's from the Baptist background? Can you raise your hand? It's, uh, it's interesting at times. Lovely people. Um, and, uh, but you gathered all around this pool, and then they sing a song, and then it was, like, it was just like way too much for my dad. Anyway, he did get baptized there. Uh, I think my mom said a little speech. She was obviously crying, you know, like, Jesus is alive, and like, whatever. And, um, but got, say, got grew up in that family, um, was introduced to Jesus at a very young age. I remember praying a prayer probably at about eight years old, seven, eight years old, lying in my bed, learning it in Sunday school, that I have to give my life to Jesus. I'm like, okay, cool, God, I know you exist. I give my life. Eight years old. I don't think I read the Bible for about 10 years. So I didn't really have a relationship with God. I knew He was there. I was aware of Him. I'd go to church every week. I'd learn my Bible verses. But it was more because I had to learn them, not because I had a relationship with God. 16, 17, had my partying years. Jeremy knew me back then. His family brought me back to church, which was a good thing. Um, I wasn't, honestly, like when I've heard what other guys have done <laughs> in this church, I was actually quite tame. Okay, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't the most rebellious person on the planet. I did uh, uh, pull the wool over my parents' eyes a few times, which I've repented about. Um, I remember coming home really, really drunk um, and uh, walking and stumbling kind of into the house, having a conversation with my mom, and I spoke to her years later about it, and she's like, I did not even, I didn't even know you had touched alcohol, you know? So my mom thought I was innocent. I was not, but I wasn't as bad as, as some other people, okay? <laughs> but I was bad. We're all sinners. We're all bad, Okay. It's only by Jesus that we saved. So God, in, in His sovereignty, p- pulled me in, and then I got involved in youth things. That is even before my wandering is, and I loved it. And then uh, 18 years old, went out. God spoke to me. It was like almost an audible voice. So what are you doing with your life? From that moment, surrendered my life to Jesus. I remember walking into the church, um, and we had come a few times, and I kind of knew how the charismatic thing went. I knew at some stage I wouldn't have to raise my hands. Uh, and I thought, okay, well, I'd, let, me, let me experiment at the back. So I'd, I'd stand in the back corner when no one's watching. I'd kind of start there, then slowly progress. Eventually, I was up front on the worship team and then going for it. You know what I mean? And in those days, they had flags, which you know we've banned from this church, by the way. You know we have. Um, and, uh, and they used to kind of do the thing. And I was like, cool, that's rad. You know, like they've got flags in church. And, um, but if I look at that whole journey... It was God who plucked me out of darkness. It was God who initiated it. God put people around me. The Clainsmith family were 100% sent from God to bring me back to Jesus. I just, I, I'm grateful. I remember, I remember chatting to his dad a couple of years or two years ago at their wedding. And I said, 
oh, just thank you so much. You know, like you were the guy that, and he actually gave me a bit of a rebuke. He, like God had just spoken to me, so God had just rebuked me. His dad came and picked me up in the morning and said, hey, listen, my boy, you better, you better get your life on track. So I was like, okay, okay, God's already told me, but that's great. And, then, um, and I think from that moment, I realized that, that it's all about relationship. I, I saw in the church that there were people that had relationship with, with God. And I thought, wow, I can actually do that. So I go in youth camps. There's a thing called Treverton. Uh, some of you would have, would have gone on that, which was awesome. And, uh, and you just engage God. And I, I'd look around and I'd look at guys who are a couple years older than me and they'd say, okay, they're engaging God. And then I'd model myself after that, even if I didn't really understand it. Slowly I started growing in this relationship with God. I was taught that God is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an impersonal force. He actually walks alongside me. That when I gave my life to Jesus, there's people who laid hands on me. I was, there's a moment when I was filled with the Spirit. There's, I walk alongside the Spirit. I have a relationship with the Father. What an incredible thing. And I just look at God. He's the one that did all of that. Jeremiah 31 says this, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with unfailing kindness. God drew me to himself. Like a father to a child that he loves. And uh, it's amazing to watch Narrell when uh, Narrell's the guy who runs Home of Hope and he sees himself as a father to all of these kids. A lot of them abandoned. Some of them um, are, are from different backgrounds. They're, their moms or their dads have been abusive, so they kind of try to restore the family. But while he's under their roof, he's their father. And there was a moment um, that uh, he, 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 walked, he walked in and he just drove in and he kissed two of the girls because he kisses them on the forehead in the courtyard to avoid any kind of suspicion. And uh, so he gives, he gives each girl a kiss on the forehead. And then as they're all talking to Starla, and like, they were big fans of Starla. They used to call her Barbie Starla. Um, and um, as soon as they saw the one girl getting a kiss, they all sprinted across to go get a kiss. And I think sometimes we need to be like that with God. And that's what happened with me. I saw that in a sense people were being loved by God, and I said, I want some of that. I want to know what it is. I had a great mother and father. I never had like, any rejection issues thankfully. <laughs> um, but I wanted to know what it was like to, to meet with my heavenly father. And I was, and I was drawn into this place, in this community, and where, where, where I'd see people in love with Jesus. I'm like, why is their hands raised? Why are they so passionate? It's because they've found the lover of their souls. They've found the, the, the one thing, that God, that has drawn them with his unfailing and his loving kindness. Undeserved grace. Let me tell you, if you're sitting here today and you think you have to do a thing to earn God's love, you don't understand the gospel. The gospel is a gift. The gospel is Jesus Christ come to earth, died on the cross in our place, carried our sin so we can approach God blameless and sinless only because I believe in Jesus Christ. So don't think you have to do anything. Whatever you've done last night, you can say, God, I'm sorry. I can come into your presence right now. God is a person. We can interact with him. What is your greatest longing in your life? So for me, there's a simple way, and this is kind of more the practical side, but how do we do it? We ask, seek, knock. Matthew 7 says this, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And whoever seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will, it will be opened. And I think we live in a time where things are given to us quite easily. And we need to learn to become inquirers of God. 
We need to learn to, to, to wait on Him. Sometimes in moments of silence, we're saying, God, thank you that you have that. Yesterday, as I was prepping, I went into that room, and I just started praying, and I just, I just, I felt, often God just says, just keep quiet. Just be with me. And I sat there, and I just, just sat with God. I mean, what, a, what an incredible thing, what a privilege. What, his presence is, our, is His gift to us permanently. There's a guy, Paul Toddyle, who preached in this church, and he wrote about this text. He says, we live in such an instructional culture that we have lost the empowerment of inquiry, focus, and pursuit. These were the fundamental values of the empowerment of faith that Jesus taught. Seeking, knocking, and asking to embrace a level of empowerment. Don't settle for the status quo. The potential of Christ in you is only limited by your desire to inquire, focus, and pursue. There's only one thing limiting your relationship with God, and it's you. It's you standing in the way, you overthinking things, maybe, maybe theologically you, 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 you're trying to grapple through things. Can I say this? God never saved us so we can know more theology in the academic sense. The word, if you look at the word theology, it's, it's theos, which is God, and it's a studyology, study of God. So when we study theology, we should actually just raise our hands and grow in relationship with Him, not become proud and, 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 and kind of have your, your theological standpoints that you don't move on. Where actually what God is saying to all of us is that when you study this Word, when you study the Bible, it actually should cause you to grow in relationship with Him and not pull you away. Um, so we need, to get, we need to simplify our lives, just some practical things. Jesus says this, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. And I, I, I said it earlier, but you can go and listen to someone's sermon and, uh, and you can get four points on how to be a better person and uh, four points on how to get into God's presence or whatever. But you, we miss out on the pursuit. I, I remember reading um, A.W. Tozer. Who's heard, heard of him or read some of his stuff? And he was quoting this old author and he, he said that uh, there's, I'm going to paraphrase, but basically I guess when he saw the path of God, he saw the tracks of God, so God had been there somewhere, he's going to run hard off the tracks until he finds God. And I think a simple, simple message is that if we have become like children, uncomplicated faith, knowing that God exists, knowing that He loves us, knowing that there's nothing we can do to, to please Him more because Jesus uh, took everything on Himself. God is totally pleased with us when He looks at us through the eyes in and through Jesus Christ. The second point is get hungry. And I think that was a mark that David carried. David... A man in the Bible, known, the only person who said he's a man after God's own heart. Abraham was called a friend of God. David was a man that carried God's heart. And I think that is a model for all of us. And David lived in the Old Covenant. So it was before Jesus Christ. They had a lot of rituals that they had, they had to do to get into God's presence. Often, because David knew who God was, he almost superseded all that stuff. And he would go straight into the presence of God and he would, he would bow his face and he would, he would find the Holy Spirit even though he was living this side of the old covenant. Because of his inquiring and desperate heart, God looked down and said, I can use that person. He said he was a, a ruddy uh, shepherd boy in the middle of uh, Israel, shepherding sheep, but he had a heart after God and God used him to change a nation and become the king that everyone compares themselves to afterwards. So Psalm 84, I had Psalm 63, but I'm going to leave that out. 
I want to read this first before I read that. This is Paul writing. Just so you know, it's not just an Old Testament thing, seeking after God. It's a New Testament thing. It says, uh, Paul writing, More than that, I count all things lusts in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for, I, for whom I have suffered and suffered loss of all things, and count them rubbish, so that I, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Yeah, you have Paul who understood grace, who understood Jesus, the, the love of God that he's pouring out on us right now. I cannot get any more, but he says, I'm going to keep searching God. I consider everything else a loss to gain Jesus Christ. Psalm 84, I think we've got it up there. Verse 1, it says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy for the living God. And uh, I think this is an amazing, there's so much in there. But it's, uh, he was talking about being in the temple of God. And uh, we know that we are the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So any moment we can, we can come in and, and enter into worship of the King. But I think there's something so powerful when we gather together. And we come in one heart and we're seeking the Father. We had um, Worship Central a couple of months ago. We most likely will have a, we are definitely going to have another one this year. And um, there was just, there was mainly worship leaders there and worship people on worship teams. So there was just this immediate hunger. So from the first chord, it was just like, oh, God is here. Because there's a hunger in every single person. I'm longing for the day when, I, when we arrive on Friday and we just be so excited to meet with the living King that our hearts and our flesh are crying out, that we are that we're almost faint, that we are dry. In Psalm 63 it says, I seek you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. We almost, we're so hungry for him that we come here desperate and, we, and then we'll start to see God do some incredible, incredible things amongst us. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're ever singing your praise. Psalm 84 verse 5 it says, and then the amazing thing is that there's benefits after following God. Okay. So following hard after God, there's, in, there's these immediate benefits that follow. They're almost the byproduct. We don't do it for that. We do it for the sheer love of Jesus. But there's, there's stuff that happens in your life when you're seeking hard after Him. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart is on the highways to Zion. As they pass through the valley of Bekar, they make it a place of spring. So if you're looking at verse 5, it says that a strength comes. We go from strength to strength comes from God. It comes from knowing who He is. It says, as they pass through the valley of Bekar, they make it a place of spring. The early rain also covered it, covers it with its pools. Now for me, if you look at, uh, if you look at the word Bekar, it means the valley of tears. Some, some versions speak about, as they pass through the valley of tears, they make it a place of springs. And that for me is what we, we need to have almost like this the shield of protection of, of praise around us, that no matter what we walk through, even if it's tough times, even if it's times of being depressed or t- tough times walking through a death in the family, losing a job, that we can make those places a place of springs. That is, the, that is the promise of God our Father, that when we go through tough things, we can, make, we can change the atmosphere around us. Don't give in to the atmosphere. We need to create our own atmosphere by loving God, praising Him, exalting Him, living a, a life that is pursuing Him with everything inside of us. Ephesians 3.16, just of that, it says that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power uh, through His Spirit in your inner being. Now, 
Paul was writing to a persecuted church. People were literally being killed for their faith, which is happening just up the road from us, by the way. We're living in a crazy time. And, uh, and he's crying, he says, God's going to give you an inner strength, that even if you're facing the gallows, even if you're facing your hands and your head and everything, and you're being burnt at the stake, you can have this inner strength that holds you strong. Verse 7, as they go from strength to strength, each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear to the God of Jacob. Verse 9, behold our shield, O God. Uh, look on the face of your anointed. When we seek God, he becomes our shield. He becomes, I spoke about it already, but he becomes our shield of protection. There's just this, this flaming arts, flaming arts, flaming darts. Just as well said that. Um, flaming darts. <laughs> flaming darts from the enemy um, that we need to be able to just fob off because we, we are protected from God through this place of praise. Verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be the doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And I think it's becoming to that place where we say, God, we'll seek you above wanting the things of this world. Above seeking a good time with my mates. But I want, I want you, I don't want to dwell in because you see what happens when you, when you dwell with God and, you, and you, you're in, in the courts of God and you're in his presence and, you, and you're finding him. And, and the things of this world do grow strangely dim. It's like, oh, it's just not that satisfying anymore. It used to be. Why is it not satisfying? I used to, I used to love doing that. But as I've sought God, it's, it's, it's just this process of Him just changing the inside of you, becoming more like Jesus. Um, for the Lord is our sun and a shield. He bestows favor and honor. And I've seen, if I look around the world, men and women who've sought God, and they've just, with a pure heart, they've seen favor and and honor bestowed on their lives in many, many, many ways. Don't have time to talk about all of that. Um, oh, blessed, verse 12. O oh, Lord of hosts, blessed is the one. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. Can we stand to our feet, please? Um, let's just bow our heads in prayer. I, I think the word of God is, is often good enough for us to just to make adjustments in our heart. It says, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. God, I thank you that through simply seeking you, a simple message of just chasing after your heart, in every single thing we do, we're trying to find you, Father. I thank you, Lord God, that you just bring favor. You bring your life. In the song we we're singing, Lord God, just pour out your life on us. I pray, Lord God, that every single person standing here, wherever they are on their faith journey, in finding you or found you or going deep into you, I pray, Lord God, that, that we would become relentless pursuers of your presence. We'd pursue you, Jesus. We'd, we'd know that you are with us, that you, that you walk alongside us, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. I just want to give a moment just in silence just to, just to deal, for you to deal with God. This is not me talking.
forgive us if we've let things become, created things, God. We've, we've let things become bigger than we should have, Father. And we, we've, we've taken you out of the picture. I pray, Lord God, this morning that we'd come running back to the King. We know that your arms are open wide. You love us. I pray, Lord God, over every single person standing here that you'd show us great and unsearchable things. Father, let us grow in our relationship with you. Let us grow in our understanding of you, Father. So we could be a strong family that knows our God, that knows our King. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.